You're listening to Everybody Pulls the Tarp, the go-to podcast for high performers. I'm Andrew Moses. Each week, you'll hear my thought-provoking conversations with Olympians, pro athletes, CEOs, elite coaches, best-selling authors, and other high performers to uncover their secrets to success. Get ready to be inspired each week when we talk about leadership, teamwork, work ethic, and more. Are you ready? Let's go. Hi, everyone. This week, my guest is Shay McGee. Shay is the founder of Studio McGee, McGee & Co., and the star of the hit Netflix series, Dream Home Makeover. In 2014, Shay launched her design firm, Studio McGee, with her husband, Sid. Since then, Shay and her team have designed hundreds of homes across the U.S. and have inspired millions of people around the world. For Shay, it all began with her passion for design. She had a degree in communications and started taking design classes at a local community college. Shay designed and remodeled her and Sid's very first home and documented it all on Instagram along the way. People were quickly drawn to Shay's unique design aesthetic and her approachable style. And at a time when most interior designers weren't sharing their tips and tricks with the public like they do today, Shay was a pioneer and shared tips, how to's, and a glimpse behind the scenes. Her small community of followers on Instagram started to expand and has since grown to over three and a half million people. Shay and Sid sold their home in California and moved to Utah to put everything into their business. Their design company continued to grow. And in 2016, they launched their now popular e-commerce brand, McGee & Co. Today, Studio McGee and McGee & Co. continue to thrive. And Shay and Sid's popular Netflix series, Dream Home Makeover, is in its fourth season. Shay has extraordinary vision, attention to detail, and as you'll hear in our conversation, does whatever it takes to help her clients see their dreams become reality. I recently sat down with Shay to talk all about her journey. Our conversation is filled with so many powerful career and important life lessons. I can't wait for you to hear it. So, Let's pull the tarp and get straight to Shay McGee. Welcome to Everybody Pulls the Tarp, Shay. Hi, thanks for having me. It's great to have you. So where I want to begin, Shay, I want to go back to the time when you were thinking about starting that interior design business. And I know from reading your book, you had a lot of doubt. You were saying things to yourself like, I feel like a fraud. I can't draw. There was a lot of doubt that you had to overcome to get into interior design. What did it take for you to take that initial step and begin overcoming some of that doubt? Some people dive in head first, but for me, it was baby steps towards building my confidence. And that started with, you know, my, my degree was in communications. And that was part of the reason why I felt like I couldn't be an interior designer was I was not formally trained. And although I had a sense of style, I felt like I couldn't just call myself an interior designer. So I signed up for community classes. I started, you know, studying everything I could and then practicing in my own home. And then it was just one set of bookshelves that my first client hired me to design. And from there, that became full rooms and full homes, custom homes. And um, now it's obviously grown into to more than that. But I needed baby steps 
towards confidence. So as you took on that first project, those built-ins, which have now become the, the famous built-ins that got this whole thing yeah. rolling, what were some of the, the specific things that you were doing to study and to learn from those experiences and really build that confidence that you described there? You know, I read everything I possibly could. And for me, and and interior design, a lot of that experience comes from just trying and failing and communicating with contractors. It's communicating with tradespeople so that you can just better understand the industry. And so, yes, it was traditional, like just crack open a book. But it was also just like, I'm going to do this room and I don't know fully how to do it. I will go to the design center. I will swallow my pride when that snooty salesperson gives me, raises their eyebrow, right? But that, that was how I learned. How much of that? I mean, because I would imagine that there are a lot of people in a lot of different industries that experience that intimidation. There's people in the industry who you just kind of look at them and you feel like they don't think I belong here. They don't think I have the right training or the prototypical resume or set of experience in any industry, how do you overcome that intimidation? Well, I think that you got to stop thinking about it because if I get to in my head, then I will just dwell on the fact that I feel inferior and I just have to shut that all out. I also kept telling myself like there are other people that have not been formally trained that have been very successful in their careers. I am not the first person to go down that path. And so I need to figure out what my strengths are and like how, what are my strengths from not being formally trained? Do I look at things in a different way? And so I had to look for those nuggets of hope for myself. Were there one or two in particular nuggets of hope where you said, because I'm looking at this differently, it's going to give me an advantage? Well, one thing in particular was social media. I came from a communications background and I was one of the first interior designers to start using social media to build my business, using Instagram, and figuring out how to grow my following. And I quickly grew. And although my following was much bigger than traditionally trained interior designers, I was garnering a loyal following that they didn't know how to do. And so using that and understanding that my expertise and background in PR and marketing was helping shift my perspective. It has served me really well. But in the beginning, it was like, okay, what, what is the one thing that I have that they don't? Well, as you're telling that story there, I'm thinking back to a point in your book where you and Sid kind of have this moment. And I think you describe it in the book as like you're around your kitchen island or the countertop and you're looking at questions. Questions are coming in in regards to some of the things that you're posting. What are the paint colors? What are the, you know, what, what is that? Where did you get that? And you had this initial thought that most of the other designers around the world are not giving away their secrets. They're not telling you what paint color it is. They're not telling you why they did that. And it seemed like you and Sid had this moment where you said, we're going to answer these questions. And I feel like now in the ecosystem that we're in, in social media and with influencers, it might seem obvious today. But at the time, that was a huge step that you took. What did you see when you started to respond and engage? Yes. So interior design is traditionally a closed-off industry. And I, we saw the opportunity to engage and 
respond to people, although it felt counterintuitive to me at the time. Once we did that, we started seeing that we were building not just like numbers, but a community and trust. And that trust helped establish us as experts in the industry and increase, you know, one, our following, but also just the opportunities for clients to find us. And, you know, that has influenced the interior design world as we we know it, just like sharing sharing trade secrets and that expertise. But at the time, that was not something people were doing. And I'm grateful we took that leap. It was sure was a big leap and it, and it has paid off. I want to fast forward a little bit to you turn a spare bedroom into an office when you launched the business. I love these stories of, of entrepreneurs just getting into the weeds and nitty gritty and doing everything. And you're shipping out of the garage. You talk about cleaning bathrooms at the office, essentially anything that needed to be done. When you think back on those days, was there a couple lessons that you learned in particular that have really stuck with you as you've scaled the business? I think that one of those lessons that continues to serve us, I mean, I think that in early days, we were like, was, we are very scrappy. It was like cleaning the bathrooms, as you said, and it's just doing everything. We're shipping everything ourselves. But I think that learning, we made a couple of hires in the beginning and we were never too proud to let someone else be the expert at what they do. And that continues to serve us well to this day because we have the guiding vision and we have that gut instinct about what's right for the business, but they're not an expert at everything. And in the early days, you have to be willing to do everything to just get it done. But then bringing in experts and asking the right questions and then also being willing to... So that's one. And then the other thing is being willing to try things. I feel like if we are not trying new things and either learning from them, failing, trying again, then we're probably getting complacent as a business. Do you think, Shay, it also gives you a little bit of extra sympathy maybe for all the different roles and the challenges that come with them? Like when you have a chance to experience all of them? Definitely. Definitely. I mean, I think that that understanding uh, as we grow larger, it's harder to have that pulse. And so I think sometimes we have to like take a second and like at the beginning of this year, it's like diving into like every single person's role and really understanding what they're doing so that we have that understanding and holistic view of the business. One of the things that's interesting in these times when entrepreneurs, you know, at the time that where you guys were with the business, you're trying to do everything. You're like we talked about, you're cleaning the bathrooms, you're running every department. But what was interesting to me as I read your story is that you were very judicious about what projects you took on and what you didn't. I recall at one point in the book, you talk about that you initially said no to a massive opportunity. It was a, a 9,000 square foot home design where you would have to do the entire thing and you weren't Again, going back to that doubt, you weren't sure you were quite there. You say no to the opportunity. Eventually, it comes back around and you get the opportunity to take on that project. But at a time when you are taking on almost everything, how do you go through a decision process and think about, okay, this might be too much or this might expose us to risks that we don't want to take on today? How do you process that? To be honest, like we were not thinking that way at all at the beginning. It was like every opportunity that we came our way, even if it killed us, we were going to figure out how to make it happen because we just wanted it so bad. And so we wanted to take hold of every opportunity. That is a mindset that has shifted as we have grown. And I think that 
we wouldn't be where we are today without saying yes to a lot of things in the beginning, because we also needed to see like, where do we fit? What are we good at? What is our strength as a business? And we just needed our name out there and we needed as many projects as possible. Now we have the opposite problem where the more projects we take on, the more split our focus becomes. And I think that we have to like really narrow the focus so we can be really good at the things that we know that we're best at. Jay, we've, my wife and I have become big fans of the show. We were pointed towards the show by some of our friends. When I watch you and Sid on, on the Netflix series, it strikes me as if you're a perfectionist and design requires this, this level of perfectionism. But when we talk about your journey as an entrepreneur and a business leader, it seems like you kind of have to throw caution to the wind at times and you have to throw perfectionism to the wind. Do you consider yourself a perfectionist in certain aspects? of your life? And how do you, if so, reconcile that to push things forward? I'm, like a choosy, I'm a definitely a perfectionist when I choose to be. So I, when it comes to the visuals of our business, like nothing's getting pushed out that doesn't look exactly how I want it to. And if, I, if something slips through the cracks, like it's coming off the site real quick. However, we have learned that like business is just like, it's like one problem after another, the problems change. And so we had to like, at a certain point, I think we were feeling like just overwhelmed by the weight of problems. And you have those moments, but you have to kind of just learn to like roll with problem solving. You have to just continue to do it. You will not get to a place in your business and reach a goal. We could reach a really big milestone and there are still going to be problems. They're just going to change. And so we had to really settle into that mindset of like, we're going to do the best that we can. And if something's not going well, we just need to be really quick to figure out how to solve it. Is there a, a process that you put in place to make sure that problems don't get too big before you take a look at them and, and try and solve them? I think that there's not necessarily a you know an outlined plan for problem solving, but we do have to... I mean, it's just always prioritizing what are we going to tackle? Because there's there's going to be small things and then there's going to be really, really big problems that feel really weighty. And just that for me is how that's how we figure out how to tackle them. And it's, it's getting people's buy-in too. I think that it's something that we still struggle with. It's just, you know, ownership of problems in a company and then also getting the buy-in so that we can like do the things that are necessary to make improvements. Shay, one of the things I want to dig into now is the install process. You know, at the end of a of a project. Like I said, I'm a huge fan of the show and every week I interview Olympians and pro athletes and CEOs and Grammy winners and mm-hmm. artists and I'm obsessed with learning about like the nitty-gritty unglamorous stuff that it takes to be successful. And when I first watch you guys on TV and I see you explain this install process. And for those listening who haven't watched the show, this is when Shay and Sid and Studio McGee get to the end of a project, of a design project. And it's, it, what is it, Shay? It's like the last day or two. And you're do, like all the little details. You're bringing the furniture in, the artwork, all the design elements to the home or to the room. And it would strike me from afar as like long days, long nights, lots of unglamorous stuff, things that don't go right or as expected. Talk about that a little bit. Like, what is that last stretch like of that really nitty gritty yeah. stuff to to get it right? The install process is so messy. It's so unglamorous, and then you get this result that's 
stunning, right? And so it's a really cool transformation because we we've been working for years on a home and the finishes are all in place. We have an empty blank slate and those trucks pull up and you think about, you know, on the show we're showing like one room transformations and then a few of our bigger projects, but tr- our business is those higher end custom homes. And so when we pull up, we have truckloads filled with things. And you imagine filling like a 10,000, 20,000 square foot home with every single furniture, every single piece of accessory. We are making up the beds, we're steaming the sheets, we're placing toilet paper on the toilet paper holders. We are unwrapping, unboxing, and placing, plugging every light in, screwing in the light bulbs so that our clients come home, walk in, and then they can start enjoying their home. All they have to do is hang their clothes in their closet. So that is a very grueling, that is not a nine to five job. It is us showing up very early in the morning when the trucks get there because we often fly out for those installs for our projects. And so we, you know, we have a few days and then we are working till late at night. And then it goes from chaos, complete chaos to all the photos that you see online. It's amazing. I'm wondering, why is it in design and in life in general, it seems like subtle items, subtle little changes, little things can make such a big difference, Shay. Why is that? You know, that's actually one of my favorite things about interior design is because like I could shift over a lamp or a table by just a few inches and it would change the way that corner of the room feels. And I like that it's organic and that I can make those little shifts. And I think that, you know, applying that to life, like small shifts in my daily routine or small shifts in whether that's nutrition or exercise, anything like that, I think can make a big impact in your life as a whole. And that's the way I see it in a home as well. I've been reading a lot of insights on the the concept that as you think about personal improvement and professional growth, doing something every day for 15 minutes every day of the year can make an enormous difference in whatever it is you're trying to improve. It's exactly what you're talking about. So Shay, I'm curious, when you're making these little tweaks and changes, whether it's on a design project or it's something related to the business, and things still aren't going the way that you envisioned, what do you do then? Do you step back? Do you pause? What do you do? I think it's a combination of pulling back and then pushing forward. So often, if I looked at the screen and my design boards for too long, or there's something that's coming together in a house that's kind of feeling a little, it's feeling a little off to me. It's like, I got to step away from it and not think about it. Go, you know, go for a walk or just do anything else really. And then come back and then all of a sudden you'll have an aha moment. But at other times, it's also just like not settling. It's like not being okay. Like it maybe doesn't feel right, but I'm not going to get over it and just move on. I'm just going to take a break and then come back and keep pushing until it feels right. How do you know when you've pushed a concept or you pushed an idea as far as it can go? That's a very subjective feel. Like I, for me in design, like it just feels right. And Usually, you know, we work really collaboratively as a design team. And so we usually had that like, aha, like, oh, yeah, that feels good. Like it wasn't feeling quite right before. And now that feels like what we were aiming for from the beginning. And so listening to your gut and create both creative and operational aspects of our business, it's served as well. I'm not a design expert by any stretch of the imagination, but when I watch the work that you do and I look at the content in social media, like it, I see things, it just looks like you. It looks 
I mean, this is why your brand has become so exceptional. I feel like it's almost like an adjective in our, our house now. I'll say to my wife, well, that looks like a Shea McGee type of thing. Like your name has become an, an adjective, I guess, like a, a way we describe the, the way something looks. As the business has grown and your fame and your brand has grown, how have you stayed authentic and true to you? Not necessarily in the design side, but like in the choices that you make from a business perspective and the way you lead. Talk about that for a minute. I think that I had a very innate sense of what's for our business and what's not for business. And so does Sid. I think that coming from nothing and having like this vision, it's easy to get wrapped up in, you know, other people's opinions. And sometimes as, as soon as I start listening to those a little too much and I don't have that moment where I look within, that's when we start to get lost a little bit. But if we give it a second, we usually know what the right call is. And I think that that's the really cool thing about starting a business is you typically have just an instinct. I feel like it's like being a mom, kind of, you know, it's like this business that's a business baby. You know? <laughs> like you just kind of have an instinct for, you know, what's right for your child. And, and that's the way it feels sometimes with business. Trusting your instincts and just sticking with the things that that have gotten you where you are, I think are so important on any journey of anybody who finds success. I was interviewing a college basketball coach recently, and he said this line to me that, that I'm always going to remember. He said, I want to listen to everybody and I want to take in feedback. But I've come to the realization that if I listen to all the fans and all the people who have perspective, one day I'm going to be sitting with them and I'm not going to be down here, the head coach of this basketball team. I think that's a hard part as a leader is you want to take in information, but you have to filter it and you have to trust your instincts. When you think about some of the feedback that you've gotten over the years that you've acted on, give me an example of where, where you've taken feedback and you've been able to act on it in a way that has been accretive to the business. It has been positive. I think that, you know, I think you're so right in that like, if I listen to every comment or every, just every of feedback that came my way, I would, totally get lost in the shuffle. But we have learned a lot from feedback. And usually, I think most clearly, it's coming from social and those like themes or trends. If people are asking, like, we want to see more behind the scenes, we want to see less polished content, or we want more design information. You know, we Instagram got really polished. And so did our, our videos got more and more polished where we were doing tours, and they were just kind of you know, beautiful. And then we got the feedback that people really enjoy seeing like that, like messy kind of behind the scenes and some of the more just like daily life type kind of thing. And that's actually more work for us to show instead of just going skipping right to the end and showing that result. But listening to that feedback has been really good because our audience loves it. I love the messy behind the scenes stuff, Shay. You got to keep it coming. I know it, it looks easy, right? And people think it's simple. But like you said, it's actually more work to give people a glimpse into that. One of the things that, that I'm curious about, like we talked about the doubt early on. Is there something else that you worried about a lot five years ago that you kind of laugh about today and say, I can't believe I worried so much about that when you reflect on everything? When we started, when we launched, so Studio McGee is our design business, the design services business. And then Mickey and Co is the product side. And 
that business has only been in business for about five years. So when we started, that was like us going to markets and vendors telling us like we couldn't carry things on our site and that we were fulfilling from you know our basement at the office. And I think we saw it as an opportunity to sell a product, but we just kept getting no's right and left. And there was problem after problem. Our site was a disaster. Like a week after we launched it, we had to rebuild it. And it was just kind of like so many issues that you wonder like, is this a sign that I shouldn't be doing this? And then, you know, fast forward five years and like we're, we're fulfilling out of a several hundred thousand square foot fulfillment center. And we are not only just buying vendor products, but we're actually making our own products and it's grown to be so much more. And now that has eclipsed, you know, that's 90, 98, 95% of our business. Like it's, it's the majority of our business is Miguelco. And so I think that had you, I never would have thought that five years ago. It's crazy to think how often these things that that we're worried about or these things that we think are just a small component of where we're trying to get actually become a much, much more significant component later on. All right, Shay, before we wrap up, I have to ask you, I mean, you have this extraordinary ability to see potential in things that other people don't. You walk into a an old home and you can completely transform it. You walk into an old room and you completely transform it. You take the opinions of your own clients, the husband and a wife might have two completely separate ideas of where they want to go, but you always see the potential in things. Where does that come from? And and how can people listening see more potential in the things in their life? I think that experiencing the results of those challenges continues to motivate me. So once I saw what could happen when you do look for the potential, it was like I was just totally hooked. And I've always, I mean, like I was the college student that would go to the thrift store and like search through every corner of the thrift store to find that like one gem of a dress or like the, you know, the bowl that was so beautiful. And to me, when other, someone else didn't see the potential at the thrift store when it was kind of covered in dust. And so now I think it's the same thing. I, I love seeing potential and opportunity where others see none. And, but knowing that it's possible and having that experience that time and time again, I feel like I walk into a room and I know it's possible to get there. Shay, this has been so much fun. Keep pulling the tarp. I can't wait to see where this journey continues to take you. I know that this is all really just getting started and the, the best is still yet to come. Thanks so much for spending a few minutes with me this week and we'll have to talk again soon and catch up on where all of this continues to go for Studio McGee, McGee & Co. and Shay McGee. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for joining me this week. Be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you can catch all of our upcoming episodes. And if you are like me and want a world full of tart pullers, then leave a review to help others find us. You can also follow me on Twitter at Andrew H. Moses. That's Andrew H. Moses. And be sure to sign up for my email newsletter at everybodypullsthetarp.com slash newsletter. I'll share tips and insights to help you achieve maximum success and happiness. Today's a great day to pull the tarp. I am rooting for you. See you next time.